Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Roots and Branches podcast with New Life Evangelical Free Church in Hastings, Minnesota. We're talking uh, transformational outcomes. Episode 18, we're picking up the theme of my design to God's design. And today we are here again with Steve and Jelks, a designer, works as an architect, and uh, love to have this conversation about what we see looking at God's design across Scripture, which is really going to be our focus today. And we're going to look at the whole scope from Genesis to Revelation and just look at how, like if you look at it with this, this eye of God's design and His goodness, His beauty, His truth flowing out of His good design for creation, what does that look like across the whole Scriptures? Because there's some really clear themes from Genesis to Revelation across the Bible about... Um, God and his purposes in redemption through his people, and then ultimately uh, in eternity across uh, redeemed creation. And so let's um, just take a moment here. In our, in our last episode, we talked about Genesis 1, and we really got into, first, first we kind of talked about our current culture and talked about my design, but then as we looked at Genesis 1, we were looking at how ordered and beautiful and good that account is of God's purpose in his design in his creation. And then the call or the invitation or the challenge is to live into that reality. Like that's what's actually real. Yeah. And it's so beautiful. Now, when we go to the next chapters of Genesis and then we go throughout the rest of the scriptures, talk to me about what happens because you've got this beautiful world and us, by God's grace, said, hey, you want to, I'm going to give you the responsibility to rule over it as stewards. Uh, what happens? Yeah. Well, <laughs> like, like I said in the last episode, enter the enemy of man's soul. Yeah. Who doesn't like what he saw God plan out. Yep. Yep. And you could say that pride was the first sin. Yeah. And it would, and it happened with Lucifer. And yeah. so he wanted to rule in heaven and he couldn't. Yep. And rather than God destroying him, God made him a part of the plan. Yeah. And yeah. that, <laughs> you have a lot of people who have a problem with that. Yeah. A lot of people have a problem with, they think that God and, and Satan are on equal footing. Yeah. yeah. Notice I said footing. Yeah. They're on equal foundation. They're not. Yeah. Yeah. You're totally right. He is not equal in power to God. Remember. Yeah. yeah. If God creates another God, then that God that was created is not God. It's an angel at best. Yeah. Yeah. Because God is the being whose existence is within himself. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, because when you talk good, about like good versus evil. Good versus, well, the, the one in this particular story, like if you talk about like a movie and good versus evil, you could see like, oh, yeah, the protagonist, the antagonist, they're kind of duking it out. Yeah. They're sort of they're on equal footing. Yeah. In this scenario... The good is God, eternal, all-powerful, omniscient. Like, it doesn't even compare. It, 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 <laughs> Satan has to ask permission to do stuff. I don't, yeah, I don't I love that. In I don't Job. think that yeah. people understand that. You see two instances yeah. that stand out in Job and when Peter says, Hey, Peter, Satan has asked permission to sift you like wheat. Yeah. Yep. He came and he talked to me and he said, I want Peter. Ooh. And I said, go ahead, but I pray that your faith fails not. Yes. And I think yeah. a lot of people just gloss over the fact that Satan has to ask permission yeah. to do things. Yep. Why? Because the master builder 
has a plan. Yeah. His ways are higher than my ways. Yep. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. When I when I was younger, we used to say that in in church. Mm. I had no idea what that meant. Yeah. Until I started getting older and I'm not going to say it's this progressive revelation, but it is a a deeper understanding as I am living this thing out, right? And yep. the scripture is getting more in me, and I'm going like, oh, yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. So you're taking something that sounds foolish, right? Yep. Something that sounds way stupid, because that's not how I would have done it, God. <laughs> yep, yep. My plan versus God plan. That, that's what we're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't have planned it out that way. Yep. Yep. I would have made it so that everybody was perfect all the time. Yeah. But then how do I say that people have the ability to exercise a will? Yep. Hmm? Yep. How do I then say if I take away everybody's ability, I don't know, freedom of association? Whatever. Yeah, yeah. Do I plan all of that out? Yeah. I mean, it. you can't talk about sovereignty mm-hmm. or you have to, you have to do both God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Yep. Yep. And that's where I land. Yeah. So a lot of people think that because there is a Satan, he is on equal footing with God and that's not it. Yeah. He is doing his part. And what I'd like to say is Satan is God's Satan. So when he is interjected in the garden and he's talking to Eve. Yeah. He's supposed to be there. Yeah. And that is a very huge pill to swallow. Yeah. Even for me from time to time. Yep. Yep. But that's where I have to leave it on God's plate because he sees the full plan. Yes. I only see this little part that he's given me. Yep. Right. Yep. So, um, also this can tie into, um, kind of like some mud, muddying of definitions that has happened in the world. Yeah. Um, and Satan even did it with Eve in the garden. Did God really say, yeah, he's redefining what God told Adam. Yes. And Eve, right? Yep. Okay. So correct me if I'm wrong or feel free to not see it this way. Yep. We have a redefining of what truth and reality are. Yes. Yep. And we have substituted yeah. experience and opinion for truth and reality. Yes. Yep. That really marks so, our society. Yep. So when someone comes along and says, my truth yeah. or my reality, what they're really saying is my opinion yeah. My experience. Yeah. You do not own truth. You do not own reality. Yeah. God does. Yep. Amen. You do have your experience and your opinion. God's sovereignty, human responsibility. Mm. Mm-hmm. God owns truth and reality. Yep. He gave to you your experience yep. and your opinion. Yeah. But really, it's your experiencing yep. God's truth yeah. and God's reality. Who's submitting to who at that moment exactly. is like really the question. And and most, a lot of what we see in our culture now is a repackaging of the very same question, did God really say? Uh-huh. Did God really say dot, dot, dot about sexuality? Did God really say about 
vocation? Did God really say about money? Did God really say about blah, blah? You fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. And what we're doing is living that same lie. When you say my design, that's really what we're doing is we're saying, did God really say, cause I could do uh-huh. it. I think I'm going to, I'm going to build it myself from the yeah. ground up. And like, I think I could do a better job than God. What? <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. That's that's that is hilarious. Yeah, but that is hilarious. That captures the spirit of the age. Mm-hmm. Is I could do it. I could. I think I could do. I could be fine without him. God's dead. Get rid of him. We're gonna do our own thing here. And and it's it's that same lie. Did God really say? We were talking about this off off air. I guess you'd say uh, that Satan is the father of lies. Mm-hmm. When he lies, he's speaking his he's native speaking language. His native language. And what do you tell me about what you what you say about that? To your kids. <laughs> <laughs> well, here, I'd say, I'd say a couple of things. I tell my kids not to lie. And I tell them, I said, when you lie, you sound like Satan. <laughs> so don't lie. And I tell them, tell the truth, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it hurts yeah. for a short period of time. Because when you tell the truth, you honor God. Yeah. And yeah, you might get in trouble for the thing that you did, but you're not going to get in trouble for lying. Because when you lie, yeah. you incur for yourself a greater punishment. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire. I don't want to see any of my babies in the lake of fire. Ooh, yeah. I'm not saying that one lie yep. Yep. necessarily sends you to hell, but one lie will send you to hell. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's because there is no amount of money. Yep. That can buy one sin. Yes, sir. But there is one amount of belief that will buy you an eternity in hell. Yeah. Okay. Next thing I tell my children is that if you lie and then you go to tell the truth, no one will believe you. Yeah. Because yeah. you lied to them. Yep. And then I tell them to cap it off and put the period on the sentence. If you lie and you go to share the gospel with someone yeah. they will not believe the gospel because ultimately that's where it ends and it starts. Yeah. You cannot lie and then try to share the gospel. It doesn't work. Yeah. Cause yeah. people are quite naturally looking at the way that you live Yep, and how you say what you say and what you say on a regular basis before you even share word one about the gospel. Yep. So you enter this liar Yep. This deceiver at the beginning, and that's how he starts his house, mm. his own foundation of lies. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? Yeah. House, di- <laughs> house, house divided amongst itself cannot stand. And that's essentially what you have. Satan yeah. has built his house, and at his foundation is lies. Yeah. That is why Ananias and Sapphira were killed at the foundation of the church. Because at the foundation, you would have had giant holes in the foundation. Two liars recorded in scriptural history. Yes. And God had to take them just like that. Wow. Yeah. Man, and you you reflect on our our culture right now with the amount of, or I'll say it this way, the lack of discernment on what is truth and what is lie. Mm. Untruth, half-truth. Fake news. People people have a tr- people have trouble today discerning yep. truth from lie. And it's because not no, no, I don't want to pick like on us as a society necessarily, but it is part of like our cultural moment. But as individuals, 
we are ones apart from Christ who somehow learned our native, like the native language of our sin nature yeah. is lying. Yes. And so, but what happens is once you've like, once you want, when you're living in that realm and you're confused about what's truth and what's lie, you get to this point where like the, okay, when you, when you become a Christian, when you, when you want to, if you want to talk about one of the markers of sanctification for us in our moment and our time in the late modern world and our culture, it should be that we should be better at recognizing lies than we were yesterday. Got to have a discernment. Discern, it, yes. And almost like, it, because if it's, you t- treat it like language, mm-hmm. if anybody out there learned a language in high school or college and then never used it and forgot all of it. Yeah. Oh boy, as believers, if only we would speak the truth so consistently that we forget what the language of lies even is and oh, we forget man. the vocabulary. Come on, man. Please, that, t- please tell me that's going to be in the sermon on Sunday. So <laughs> to the point, I'll, I'll keep preaching, to, to, to the point where when you hear a lie, it sounds like a foreign language to you. And you're like, I don't even understand that. I want that. Don't, I, mean, I want that for my house. I want that for my family. Yeah. And, and the, the prime example is if you're scrolling through your social media and you're addicted to that or whatever, you're scrolling through that and you're like having trouble discerning what's right and what's wrong on there or what's the truth and what's lie. Mm-hmm. You got to, you know, what you need to do, you need to cut yourself off from that. Absolutely. And you need to figure out how do I start speaking the language of truth so much so that the language of lies starts receding out of my brain and yeah. I forget it. And then you open that back up again, and it's almost like reading something in a foreign language. You're yes. like, I don't even understand this I don't, anymore. I, I do not comprehend. I can't comprehend it because I, I don't speak comprehend. the language of lies anymore. Can I tell you that I am moving more and more in that direction? Yeah. And I am listening less and less to lies. Yeah. Right. I was sharing with the guys earlier um, in our men's group this morning about um, Jesus walking on water, right? Yeah. And, and Jews, ancient Jews, um, considering great bodies of water where it would be the large lakes or oceans Yep, as chaos, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you could even see it in, in the uh, apocalyptic writings of John. Yep. Beast rising out of the sea. Right. Yep. Okay. So now you have this being, this God man coming out to the people who he's been teaching and they have been out on the, the sea for four hours and they are exhausted and the storm is just raging. Yep. Rowing and rowing and rowing, rowing. <laughs> and they cannot make any progress. They are just yep. being tossed about. And here you got Jesus just walking on by like nothing's wrong. Yep. Hey guys, how you hey doing? Guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How's yeah. it going over there on your own? The amount of, of control. Yeah. That is being, depicted from there i can see why scripture and i don't think any translation does it just as they lost their minds yeah so you have god in man or god incarnate is what i'm getting at exercising his power over the thing he created and he's showing you just how much power he has. Yep. That's how I'm looking at people who want to be tumultuous or to tie it yeah. into lies. Mm-hmm. 
is like lies or a raging sea. But I want to be with my Savior just walking like there's nothing going on, not even affected. You could go ahead. Yeah. You can take your lie and you can go over there. Yeah. You can take your lie and you can throw them at me. That's fine. You're not going to toss me about because yep. I'm not in the boat. I'm out actually on the water with my Savior and we're walking together. And oh, yeah, by the way, I start to sink a little bit because I'm like, this is very tumultuous. What am I doing out here? Right? Yep. What you got? This just, this helps me understand just this conversation because, you know, we're talking about living in God's design, about how we as believers stand in contrast to the world and as, a, like, a, as ambassadors, as a signpost to a different reality. Yeah. And that, and that this is really a sign of maturity. I, it, it occurred to me as you were speaking and you're using that metaphor and using that example of Jesus walking on water. Paul uses a similar metaphor um, to describe the difference between immaturity and maturity. Okay. And it's in Ephesians 4. He's talking about using gifts to have the body be built up. We mm. talked about this just, okay. a, just okay. a couple episodes. Paul and I were talking about this. But he says in Ephesians 4, 14, then you'll, be no, you'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Deceit. And so as people of the truth... <laughs> I Steven's pumping his fists over here. <laughs> when I told you at last last episode, I said that yeah, I don't know if this was on air or fair, but I said I'm not a chapter and verse guy. I'm a narrative guy. Yeah, that right there. Yeah, that is playing in the back of my head. Yeah, right. As I'm I'm talking, I have all of these other scriptures that are, but I can't tell you where I got them from. Yeah. That's because I'm in scripture all all the time. Yeah, all the time from the time I get up to the time I go to bed. Mm. Why? Yeah. I just went through some really, really tough stuff and I needed the word of God. Yes. That was only my, that was the only sustainer that I had. Yeah. Was his word. I would get up I'd wake up early in the morning. Mm. And I don't know what to do. So I get down on my knees, prostrate. Yeah. And I'm praying and I'm crying. Yep. Man, and I'm, I'm in there. the car and I'm bawling. Yep. Cause I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I got the scripture Man. going. Mm. It's been that way for a couple of years now. Yeah. But it had to happen yep. because he's making me stronger. I asked him to make me more into his image. Yeah. And he had to do that. Yeah. And then we, this is a conversation that we had a while ago. I was like, he's putting me in the fire. Yep. But then when I get taken out of the fire, I go under the hammer. Yep. And it's more pain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's so bad. It's comical. It's like, can I get a reprieve? Okay. Yeah. Be, being made into whatever weapon or tool that he needs to make me. Mm -hmm. But it's a part of his design. And a lot of people, they don't want humility because humility yep. requires humiliation. And we don't like being humiliated Humiliated oh. because it's a strike against our pride. And that pride comes out of sin. Yep. Yep. If I'm going to somehow still try and hang on to, I'm going to do things by my design, you yep. can't be humble. You cannot. No. It requires, I'm, I, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I hope that we run into my friend when we go into our homes so that I can introduce you to him because I was talking to him about these same yeah. things, yeah. about there being a lot of pride 
in architecture. Ah, yeah. In the realm of architecture, there is a huge amount of pride. Yeah. And you get these guys who are building these 15,000, 20,000, 30,000 square foot homes. Yeah. Whew. Some of these projects are homages to their own ego. Some of them certainly are homages to the homeowner's ego. It's like, do you have, oh, how many people live here? Four people. Wow. Goodness. Can, can we just let that sit for a second? <laughs> yeah. 15,000 square feet for four people. Or two people. Yep. Or one guy and his dog. Yeah. I'm not lying. I believe it, man. I believe it. And I go, all right. But there is an immense amount of pride that goes along with this architecture thing. Mm-hmm. And quite naturally with anything else, we take something that is good and we corrupt it. Mm. Food is good. Overeating's yeah. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Water is good. It is refreshing for you. Water can kill you if you take too much of it in. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Sex is good inside of marriage. Yep. Sex is bad outside of marriage. Yep. Yeah. Right? Yeah. God yeah. gave us all of these things for, as a gift. He yep. gave architecture to mankind to help display his glory yep. through the making of the things that he already made. Yes. Yes. And what do we do? Yeah. Turn we, it, we turn it into idols to our own ego. Yep. We turn it into a Tower of Babel. And there's, there's, there's your connection. I, 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 think, I think the connection we need to make here, you were just talking about uh, how we not only turn it into something that glorifies ourselves, but we also tend to want the easy path. And we were talking about this the other, just a little bit ago, about how you name somebody that you know who's mature, who has discernment, who has wisdom, somebody who you're like, I want to be like that when I grow up. Yeah. They tend to be almost like, exclusively people who've gone through hard things. Very hard things. Yeah. And it's because... You look at the dominant themes in scripture that describe maturity, and they tend to be about refining, Mm -hmm. which takes fire, (laughs) or sharpening, which makes sparks. Like, it's not comfortable, but those are the very moments that God shapes you. Now, if you go back to the garden and you look at the entrance of sin and the desire of, I'm okay, did God really say, I'm going to be my own God, I'm going to do it the way that I want to do it? The results of that are the curse on the fruitfulness. Yes. Strife between people. Yep. A desire by people like Cain, for example, the very next generation, who's like upset that God didn't like things in, in his sacrifice or whatever. And 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 he then he then he bears this curse of Cain of um killing his brother, not being able to listen to God and do it in the way that God wants, it ends up being that he ends up making a city in order to sort of secure his own future. Yeah. And it's just like all this bad stuff starts happening. The The entrance of God's redemptive plan, again, from eternity, starts with a promise and a gift of his grace to a guy named Abraham, who God calls out of his own people mm-hmm. in, you know, the... Mesopotamia, and he calls him over and he says, hey, come over to this foreign place, and I want you to live here, and you're going to have to trust me every day, and I'm going to make your descendants into a great people, and I'm going to fulfill all of my plans through this thing, and what I love about it is you see trust, faith in God and his plan is a consistent thread throughout the entire scriptures. And yet you see people bumbling around and fumbling with that constantly. Constantly. (laughs) Even with Abraham. I know. 
Isn't it? I mean, he, yeah, you can't. You, uh. I, I said this before we <laughs> we we recorded uh, before we started recording the 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 last episode. Yeah, and I said you can't get away from it. You cannot get away from God's architecture. You cannot get away from God's blame, even if you yeah. think you're running away. Yeah, don't end up like Jonah. Nope, you're oh, not running boy. away. <laughs> yeah, God says go to Nineveh. What are you doing? Yep. yep. Don't run away. God has a plan. And if he doesn't use you here now, he'll use you somewhere else. Yeah. If that's where he's leading you to go. Abraham and Sarah were like, look, we're too old. God's crazy. Yeah. They laughed. They laughed in his face. They did. (laughs) So then they have to name their kid laughter. (laughs) They did. Oh man. Well, maybe, maybe, well, let's change the plan a little bit. Maybe, maybe you, you can get with Hagar. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's man's plan. God said, no, you two. That boy is coming from you two. Yeah. Still don't believe My it. My promise is coming from you two. Yep. What are you talking about? I'm a hundred now. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Yep. He shows up. Yep. Yeah. Quite naturally. You can toss it back to Eve. Where... She has Seth, and I think Seth means I have gotten a man, mm. or that's what she says, mm. because it was a very similar promise to Eve. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna give you. And she was looking at her sons right then and right there, saying, "Yeah, one of these boys is going to make it right." Mm. And God is like, "That ain't a part of the plan." Yeah. That is not a part of the plan. You gave him that name. It's not him, but it will come through him way down the generations. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And every step of the way, and I think this is where we sort of tie this thread of, um, there's a, there's a really good book that I have read years ago now. Um, it's called the temple and the church's mission. I think if I remember right. Um, and it's, it's tying the theme of God's design specifically through his calling through his people, but using a temple metaphor throughout the whole Bible to talk about the garden as this garden sanctuary, God's presence with mm-hmm. his people, displaying his glory, working for as stewards for his, for his purposes. You see it sort of disrupted, um, cursed, the entrance of sin, everything getting turned upside down. But then God's whole plan as he works through Abraham and the fumbling around with faith through the various generations as you mm-hmm. see his descendants, Isaac and Jacob and his sons. Holy smokes, all the crazy oh, stuff that goodness. happens. My goodness. But then his descendants, there's these promises throughout. Not only the snake crusher with it, that it's a promise to Eve and her, her uh, descendant. I love that you call him the snake crusher. I know, I, I love, love it. That. <laughs> <laughs> but then, then the... The promises to, let's use Genesis 19 to Judah's line, that there's going to be one who rules with the scepter. Yes. And it's like all these threads tied together of looking ahead to the Messiah. Yeah, go ahead. That is me. repeated in, in Revelation, yeah. where he will rule yeah. with the rod of iron. Yes. Yes. It's wonderful. Yeah. So throughout the story of what God is doing in his people is he is constructing an edifice of his glory where his presence would dwell and they would represent him as his stewards and do the cultivating and protecting work over his creation that was lost in the fall. And so the story of the thread of scripture is 
I'm going to make a people. Mm-hmm. This is what he promised to Abraham. And your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars in the sky. Yeah. And I'm going to give you the land, and I'm going to give you my presence. And it says, and Abraham trusted God by faith, and yeah. was credited to him as righteousness. righteousness yeah. So then throughout the story of the Old Testament, you see the tabernacle after the redemption from slavery in Egypt, by God's grace, and he, the text says that, let my people go so that they may worship me. Never has that, you never see the, so let, let my people go without the, so let, so let them worship me. Yeah. So they go out in the wilderness and the tabernacle, and then therefore when they, the conquest of uh, the promised land, the temple become the center of gravity of God's presence with his special called by grace people who need to trust him and walk by the ways that he has made. And they become this living example and illustration to the people around them of the reality of who the living God is, but they screw it up over and over again. Okay. Okay. I'm glad you, I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about this (laughs) because there is something in, 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 um, community planning that used to happen that Mm. does not happen anymore. Mm -hmm. And that is when towns were founded, the church was at the center of the town. Yes. And then the community was built around the church. Yep. And now it is town halls or a school. Yeah. So you or have, shopping centers. Or shopping centers. Yeah, because what it is now is now it's now it's a strip mall or it's the it, um it's the shopping uh center of the city and then everything fans out from there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So now we have switched in our community planning from being man's uh, from being God centered to man centered. Yeah, isn't that fascinating? It I mean, we have moved away from God being physically at the center and and having yeah. that physical representation yeah. of the way that it's supposed to be internally. Yes. God is supposed to be. And it's not like a list where he's at the top of the list and then we move down and then it's my wife and then it's my children. It is. Yeah. God is at the center of everything that I do and everything radiates out. Like yep. you said, from there. And so we had those physical manifestations of that very thing where the churches were in the middle of our towns. Yep. And then you had things radiate out from there. Yes. So that when yes. people would come out of their homes, they had a giant cross in the middle of their town yep. that they saw so that every day you were reminded of the sacrifice that God made for you yeah, in Christ on that cross. Yep. Yep. And now it's the opposite. Now well, it's the opposite. But, but every, I mean, this speaks to something that's really consistent across every culture and every time period that we're always going to have, like, what's the altar at the center of our collective existence? And you can, I mean, so I visited, uh, I visited Europe uh, a handful of times. I had some missionary friends that were in Germany and we'd go tour around and I'd look at what they were doing, but we were, I was church planning at the time and we'd collaborate in smaller communities, especially in Germany, for example, it's the exact thing you just described church mm. at the center uh-huh. and then everything radiates out from there, yep. town square, et cetera. And, um, it, and what, what it is, is you, you have like a physical manifestation even of, of like a, a symbolic representation of like what's at the center of our life. Yes. So talk to me. Cause we've talked about that maybe in like urban planning, but that's neither of our expertise necessarily. <laughs> we're just, we're just pontificating. Well, you know, but the, talk, talk to me about designing and homes. So think about, architecture and let's just talk about people's homes what is what's what today do people make the most prominent central space in their home Hmm. first thing is the tv 
The other thing is the kitchen. Yeah, that's what I would have guessed. Yes. Yeah. We center our homes around those two things because, well, we are communal beings. Yeah. And our homes are becoming more communal. Mm -hmm. There was a point in time in our architecture where things were much more compartmentalized. Yeah. Yeah. And that was because of war. Sure. It was very mechanized. Interesting. And so our architecture followed our social thinking. And the thinking was, we have people who specialize in doing this and this and this and this. And so the ha- in your house, your living room was one room. Your dining room, room was another room. Yeah. Your kitchen was run one room. Yeah. And if you were a little bit more affluent, then you would have a study. Yep. And then you would have your bedrooms. Yeah. And you have your bathroom. Yeah. In the communal spaces now, everything's yeah. open. Yeah, exactly. They're tear- tearing walls down They're like crazy. They're tearing walls houses. down. Yep. Which, you know, you have to make sure that the structure can stand up and you yeah. have the proper yep. um, engineering so that your your truss loads can span between this wall and that wall that's 20 feet away. Yeah. And if it's longer than a certain distance, then you have to either double up some girders or introduce some steel. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. But it's all centered around being able to get people around food. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And you know a little something about that because yeah. your wife yeah. is a chef. Yeah. And she's been in these homes of well-to-do people and they got those open floor plans. Yes. And so you know what it's like because you've been in there. Yes. And you've seen where you could be at the kitchen and you turn around and you can see everything. Yep. And you can see everyone who's in the room because there are no walls blocking. It. Yeah. Yeah. That is where our homes are centered. Yeah. Is around that communal space. Yeah. And then we put the private spaces either at the back of the house or to the side of the house or we put them upstairs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And what's fascinating about that to me is, is you mentioned in, I can't remember, was this episode or last one about common grace or about God's just, um, the reality that 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 there's a sense or like an intuitive understanding of some of the ways that God has made things, yeah. And this is one of them. It's like even you don't have to be a believer in you don't have to be a believer in Jesus to know that relationships matter, and that that we start to recover a sense that that's the center of gravity of our life together yeah. is the connection, and it's the connection over communal things yes. like eating together. So that's common. That's common grace in architecture. Isn't here, that here, some people look at COVID. As a bad thing. And I say that actually it was a really good thing for the family because mm-hmm. it forced us to be together again. Yeah. It forced people to realize my family's important. It definitely did it for me. Because yep. now I'm at home with my children because they shut our office down. And yeah. every day I get up and I'm like, what are we going to do? Yeah. Today. Yep. Oh, we're going to spend time together because government says we can't go outside. <laughs> Because it's dangerous. Oh, yeah. The virus is killed by sunlight. But stay in sight. Okay. <laughs> and we're, we're all wiping our groceries we're down with, with, uh, with disinfectant and doing all kinds of crazy it's stuff. It's very, very interesting because... Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I could say this, but one of our clients actually made a disinfecting wand and oh. got really wealthy off of that. And oh we're, building, we're building a house for him in Wisconsin, uh-huh. which I'm going to be at a Tuesday. Yep. 
But then we are, he also bought this monster of a house and we redid his basement. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So that's crazy. God be glorified in, in, in whatever we're doing for that guy. I'm not going to say his name because <laughs> I can't, I cannot say his name. Yeah. However, uh, yeah, that is exactly right. And I would say that what you believe about what went on with that whole deal, mm-hmm. God is still in control. Yeah. Yeah. And if there needed to be a reset because we were getting too detached as the family. Yeah. By God's sovereignty. Yep. And because I have to view the world that way. Yep. I have to. There is no not seeing things that way. Mm hmm. I have to view that God has ordered certain things. I mean, he even says, you know, um, God ordains our rulers. Yeah. So yeah. you might have people who are thinking that they are pulling the strings. No, you're not. Ooh. You're not. You're yep. not in control. Yep. You think you got power? You got no power. Yeah, you, you don't realize where it's coming from. You don't realize where yeah. it's coming from. Yeah. Who who gave that to you as a gift? Right. I don't you're, care. I don't care who you're talking to. I don't know. care what you thought you saw. You you're not in control. Yeah. I don't care if you think you saw yep. something from another planet. No, you didn't. <laughs> I think we just started talking about aliens. I think we might need to take a break and pick it up at the next episode. We are uh, continuing our conversation on our transformational outcomes, moving from my design to God's design. We're going to pick that conversation up in the next episode. Uh, I am Pastor Brent Complin. I'm here with Stephen Jelks. We're having a great time, and we'll see you next time on the Roots and Branches podcast.